0: This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure, who are here to make procurement simple. Zero Procure harnesses a network of specialists to ensure that businesses are working with the right suppliers at the right price. Hospitality Meets is delighted to partner with the Zero Procure team and their network to help keep this podcast accessible and free to listen to. Please get in touch with them for a chat, just click on their link in the show notes, or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Mark Lewis, CEO of Charity Superstars Hospitality Action. Coming up on today's show... Mark describes how he likes to spend his Wednesday nights in. It's food flying and there's, and there's, there's uh,
1: drinks flowing and drinks spilling and nobody comes away without some red
0: wine down their front. Phil suggests a great way to lose weight. Invisible chips springs to mind. And Mark demonstrates that even hotel legends know when to find the fun. One of the abiding images was Jeremy Goring frisbeeing the main course across the table. and All that and so much more as Mark chats through his story and journey to date. There can't be many of you out there that have not heard of hospitality action. I think we can all agree that the work we do in acting as a critical safety net for our industry can never be underplayed. Mark's story within that is possibly a little unexpected, but no less enthralling, as he showcases yet another route and role that this industry can take you into. A huge thank you to him for sharing his story. Don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you consume your podcast. Enjoy! And a huge hospitality meets. Welcome to, I can't actually quite believe that we've done this, Mark, but it's Mark Lewis from Hospitality Action. How are you? Well, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, good to talk to you. Sorry, it's taken us nine months to get this
1: in the diary, but uh, we both oh, been busy, haven't we? Anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's here and there and everywhere, and especially, at, yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to this in terms of the important work that you you guys do, but uh, I can assume that you've you've had a bit of a year of it.
1: Yeah, we've had we've had a bit of a three years of it. It's been a crazy time for the sector, and therefore a crazy time for us. So we've been working hard, and I can talk a lot about what we do and you know why we're working hard and how we help people. But yeah, it's kept us kept us busy for the last three years, and, and last year was was off the scale. Yeah, absolutely. So for the uninitiated, uh, just tell the world who you are and what it is that you do. Sure. So my name is Mark Lewis. I'm the chief executive of. Hospitality Action, which is the benevolent charity for the UK hospitality. So, so we're really here to help people who work or have worked in the sector and hit a bump in the road. And we hope to get them back on the road and get them back working and happy and healthy once again. Brilliant. And uh, well, I mean, you've been in
0: that role now for how long?
1: It's five years. So I joined in December 2017. Uh, I I, um, overlapped for a month with my predecessor, Penny Moore, my my, my great friend Penny. uh, And then I took over fully when she left at the beginning of 2018. So, uh, So five years and counting. I can't believe it's gone so quickly, but I guess we've all rather lost the last three years, haven't we?
0: Yeah, I know. I can't believe it's three years, actually. We are pretty much at the three year point where all that stuff kicked off when somebody ate a bat that they shouldn't have eaten or whatever happened but in any case we do absolutely don't need to go there although I'm sure that there's probably some elements around the work that you did in that time that, that that's probably relevant to to the story that we'll talk about today but in any case before we get into all of that I'd, I'd love to go right back to kind of the beginning of of you really and how have you ended up here? It's it's a really good question
1: and and if you'd asked me 25 years ago if I thought I would end up running a Um, a a trade charity I I, I never would have believed you but my my background is is writing uh, studied English literature at university down in Bristol wasn't quite sure what to do with myself after that got a job teaching English in Singapore and while I was there I started writing for the Straits Times which is their, their 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 number one broadsheet used to write book reviews and concert reviews and previews for the Straits Times and Loved writing um, and just began to think that maybe I could, I could make a living from writing. So uh, pushed ahead with that, came back to the UK after some traveling in Southeast Asia uh, and got a job with a company called The Rough Guides, who are a travel guidebook company. Yep. Um, so that kept me busy for 10 years. Got the gig to co-write The Rough Guide to Malaysia, Singapore and Brunei. That took about 24 months. And then having done that, wrote a, a bigger guide uh, on Singapore. A less rough guide. Yeah, ex- well, yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's not much roughing it in Singapore these days, but uh, yeah. uh, there's still a few crash pads that we were able to tell people about. But yeah, so did that, then uh, took on the Rough Guide to Vietnam, uh, which I co-wrote with somebody called Jan Dodd, uh, and stayed involved with the Rough Guides as a freelance writer for a decade. Uh, so was bouncing to and from Southeast Asia and and London, and doing some writing for the Mail on Sunday and the Independent at the same time, mostly travel work. So yeah, that kept me busy through my twenties. But uh, it was a, it was a strange uh, sort of rootless existence. Didn't earn much at all because the the understanding was that you were lucky to be traveling and uh, and earning right. a little bit at the same time.
0: So a labor of love.
1: Yeah, well, exactly that. Yeah. So I was earning a crust, but nothing much more than that. And all my friends were settling down and getting married and having children and taking on mortgages and all that adult stuff. So I came to the conclusion that um, I got to a crossroads. I was offered the chance to write The Rough Guide to Chile or The Rough Guide to Switzerland. Both would have been fabulous, but decided to settle down and, and stay back in the UK instead. So I got a job uh, as a uh, features editor on a magazine called Computer Weekly, another trade magazine that used to be in the same publishing stable as uh, the Caterer magazine, which which you'll know from the hospitality sector, so yeah, sort sure of cut that. my teeth at, at Computer Weekly. Never quite understood much about computers, but managed to uh, to blag my way through three or four years there, and then moved across to the Caterer magazine, probably in two thousand and three, and then that's where my my involvement in the hospitality sector began. So I was deputy editor at uh, at the Caterer for a few years, then I took over as editor when my predecessor moved on, and then ended as publisher. Uh, at the Caterer in in 2017, when I moved across to to HA, and then I guess the final step is all about me being a trustee of HA for for 10 years while I was at at the Caterer. Uh, HA is 185 years old. The Caterer magazine is about 140 years old. Uh, so we've sort of grown up together, and there's always been a a strong link between the two brands. So um, I, I was blessed to be a a trustee for 10 years while at the caterer Um, and then as I said I got the chance to move across so here I am today.
0: Yeah wow I mean was the 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 transition into the caterer kind of a happy accident therefore or because you happened to be under the same stable or was it was it actually a meaningful uh, this is you know you you, maybe the travel element gave you a little bit of a bug for hospitality because you can't really do travel without a bit of hospitality can you? No, exactly that. I think there's
1: a real connection. So, you know, I, I hope that stood me in good stead when I when I had my interview. Yeah, we were in the same stable. Read business information, part of Read Elsevier, and I was I was joking apart. I, I, I managed to, to to survive four years at Computer Weekly, but I'm. I'm uh, I'm a bit of a luddite, so I always felt I was uh, a moment away from uh, some awful gaffe, and you know, but my, my lack of understanding of technology would would suddenly be found out. So um, I was always keen to move out from technology into something that suited me more. Always thought the catering might be that route. So the opportunity came up. And as you say, there's a there's a connection, an obvious connection between hospitality and travel, and and the work you do as a rough guide author is 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 in large part about finding great places to stay at a price point, great places to eat, great places to drink and hang out. So I had a sort of sense of what hospitality, what good hospitality looked like. Uh, so hopefully that stood me in good stead, and and that that allowed me to make that jump across.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Maybe at the time you probably don't give yourself enough credit for the experience that that must have given you in order to then take on a role uh, at the caterer, as an example. But I find it really interesting as well that you went from travel into computing, which are, you know, from the outside looking in, are two completely different things. I mean, travel is quite a... I don't even really know what's almost a hedonistic style of uh, uh, of writing, I suppose. And yeah, I mean, I was paid tuppence and me, so it never felt very hedonistic. I was always yeah. sort of, you know,
1: <laughs> working on a shoestring and uh, in the in the cheapest crash pad I could find and a uh, backpack on my back. But uh, the two big things I learned from working at the Rough Guys were first self sufficiency. You know, the, the, it really focuses the mind if you're dropped in a, a huge country and you have to cover the whole country. You need to get under its skin and understand how it ticks not just where the good hotels and restaurants are, but what's it all about? What does it feel like to be in Malaysia or Vietnam? And so that was a big learning for me. I remember turning up in, so So I covered, uh, so I wrote a book on Malaysia, but there's there's Peninsula Malaysia, which runs from Singapore up to Thailand. But then there are two Eastern Malaysian states, Sabah and Sarawak at the top of Borneo. And Borneo is a sort of byword for, you know, a million miles away, jungle, forest, right, uh, yeah. scary, scary adventures. Uh, so I remember waking up one morning, my first morning in, in Borneo, thinking, wow, I've got to cover a huge swathe of Borneo to write a book and become an expert. And that was that was quite that was quite a rude awakening when I when I woke up with that uh, with jet lag on that first morning. But do you know what? You, you get down the bus station, you crack on and before you know it you've you've got under the skin of a place and you start traveling around and you ask people and you seek advice and speak to fellow travelers and before you know it you've got a you've got a sense of what makes the place tick so so that yeah. was a, that was a great learning and uh, I've always borne that in mind that uh, that that was an achievement I think if I look back um, and then secondly I think also travel is is just good for the soul it's good for everybody's Especially at the the age you would have been at that time uh, as well. Yeah, I was in my early twenties, not long out of university, done a bit of teaching in Singapore. But yeah, I I think you know I'd recommend everybody to spend some time out of their comfort zone and to be in a minority. I think it's really good for the souls of people, for people to know what it's like to be in a minority. I, I remember when I was first going to Vietnam. A lot of people I would come across in villages had never seen a white person, and and you know that was a fascinating
0: dynamic. But yeah, yeah, for me that was that was a valuable life learning. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Though I mean, I'd, I'd say it to anyone that that cares to listen that when you're starting out in in your career, or kind of any stage really, is go see the world, especially from a hospitality perspective. I think it can give you so many insights into ways and means of doing things, and you know the cultural differences amongst individuals but then how that relates to how you deliver hospitality and all of these things that are interlinked to, together. I think when you have a kind of a a greater knowledge of the world I think it calms you down in terms it of yeah. it gives you you a know, great how you see things.
1: Absolutely yeah. and also it's it's so reassuring to go across the world and and, and find kindness, find human kindness. I, I had a, a motorbike accident in the highlands of central Vietnam, and uh, and, and a chap took me under his wing and um, and just looked after me for a week. And he had he had nothing, he had no money, but he uh, he, he I remember him saying to me, I was in hospital and uh, I'd had a I'd dislocated my shoulder badly and I had a crack on my head and. And he, he, I'd been patched up, and he, he said he didn't have much English, but he said uh, because your father's not here, he said I will be your father in Vietnam, and it was a lovely, it was a lovely moment in life, and uh, and I thought, wow, you know how how kind is of somebody who's got nothing compared to us in the West to just say I'll take care of you now, and you know you'll be all right. So uh, I think it's lovely to, to travel half a world away and then see that sort of kindness.
0: Yeah, and equally, I mean, your, your comment earlier on about Borneo and its reputation as being a you know a dangerous place may be justified in some places, but like most places, I I think when you you travel and you go off the beaten track to things, you're reminded that the vast majority, and when I say vast majority, I'm probably talking about ninety five percent plus of people are warm, lovely, friendly human beings, and it's just that that tiny percentage that's left that that kind of Steal the headlines and you know, and paint a picture that's not necessarily a truthful one. Yeah, exactly. Amen to that. Yeah, completely. I think it's it's mm. a it's a big old world, but it's it,
1: it's getting smaller and smaller because travel is so easy and and relatively cheap now. Uh, and so yeah, you know how lovely to travel the world and find that there's people like you that may be in a very remote place like Borneo or Vietnam, but yeah, they're just normal people like you. They they want they want a nice life they want to you know have security for their family and they want to be good
0: and kind when they can be totally yeah okay so let's focus a little bit on caterer your time at the caterer because obviously that's probably informed uh, how you've become more and more involved as you've gone on in in terms of the hospitality industry and now what you do you started as deputy editor what does it take to run the preeminent press of an industry well i think very good luck to start with i had a fantastic
1: (laughs) team And uh, Amanda, my deputy editor, was brilliant and, has, and is brilliant and remains a, a really dear friend. So there were great people around me. Janet Harmer, who knew everything there is to know about hotels. So it was a fantastic team. And I think I think what the caterer has achieved over the years, it's almost become a, it's a supplier to the industry. It, it supplies it provides a service to the industry in terms of information and, and best practice. But it's really got connected with the industry over the decades so we were very blessed i think and so you know people would come to us and they would tell their story through us and we had a brilliant team so that was all in place so yeah i think i was very lucky it was just about continuing the uh, the job that people had done before me but you know publishing it, trade publishing is all about helping people build better careers and, and and better businesses and so you know it was just about making sure that we were we were in touch with the people doing clever things and Cutting edge things, exciting things, coming up with new ideas, and that was what we needed to present to the market so people could learn. I think it's. I was talking to somebody at the GM conference dinner at the Raven House on on Monday evening. It's very easy for different parts of the hospitality sector to become siloed. So hoteliers speak to hoteliers, and they know exactly what other hotels do, and casual dining operators will speak to people like them and they know what the market looks like but actually you have got to look over into other parts of the sector and and, and and learn from other parts of the sector so i guess that's what that's what caterer was about really it was about finding great things that people were doing clever things good ideas and and just you know passing them on so that people could apply them to their business
0: yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and I, I think as well you've got you know it's if you work in the hospitality industry you've heard of Cater. I mean, you know, I think that's that's probably stands to reason. Were you there at a time where uh, there was a kind of a mix of of print and online? Uh, were you there across a transition period or or anything like that? Yeah, I was. I was there. I guess at a transition period. So when I joined
1: in the early nineties, there was a website called caterer.com, dot com, which subsequently became the jobs board caterer.com and uh, we were still coming getting to grips with that relationship between web and print and nobody quite knew how that was going to work and it, it seems so obvious now that the world was going to go towards digital um yeah. but at the time it was trying to find that it was all about trying to find that balance between print and, and digital media and we had two different teams and at times looking back we probably had Two people writing the same story at the same time. One person writing the same story to go online. The other person writing it for that week's issue. So it was a it was a funny old time, yeah. But I think, I think for all people in media, it's been challenging. And and there's no doubt, there's no question that that, that print media is consumed by fewer people globally than it used to be because guess what we all find our news on social media or or through digital channels and I think it's about coming to terms with that and accepting that as long as you're providing great content in the way in in the medium and in the place where somebody wants to consume it then you're doing your job so some people still want to buy a magazine some people want to buy a newspaper in the morning but other people want to go to the BBC or the Guardian website or they'll get all of their news from, from Twitter so as long as you're telling your stories in those places and through those those media, then you're doing your job well. And you know you, you mustn't beat yourself up that the world is changing
0: because you can't you can't change progress. No, no, I, you, ain't that the truth? Yeah, I mean the uh, and i I've just I'm watching a thing on Netflix at the moment called the Billion Dollar Code, and it's um around the uh, effectively Google Earth and how that came about. And uh, there's a bit of a I still haven't finished watching it yet, but it's a story around basically somebody came up with an idea and everybody at the time went. That will never take off, and much the same, I suppose, with uh, with the transition over into the the internet world uh, at the time is that uh, you know there was a, a group of people that went, "This is going to change the world," and a, and a vast majority of people at the time went, "Well, that will never happen because it's change, right?" And people tend to, if you're you kind of rigidly looking at how you'd go about your business, anything that comes into that space can be can feel like a little bit of a well, that's overwhelming. So that will never take off, and it's almost like a, an excuse to kick it down the road. Yeah, exactly. I think largely people don't like change, do they? So they will they
1: will push against it um, rather than accept it willingly. And I think that was that was yeah, that that was a, an absolutely seismic change the uh, the growth of digital media to to the media world. But listen, I mean, the Caterer does a brilliant job now under James Stag and and you know other. Other other magazines and websites or media brands do a brilliant job of, of presenting their information across media and, uh, you know, it's all about the brand rather than about a website or a social media profile or, or a print product. It's about a brand that you trust and, you know, I was very proud to work at the Cager because I think it built trust over many decades and, and it was helped by the fact that, very very clever people forty years ago had ideas like the KTs and the Acorn Awards and the Hotelier of the Year award and so I think again those sorts of programs really
0: embedded it in within the uh, within
1: the sector it serves.
0: Yeah, glad you brought up the KTs. Features in your uh, your very kindly the form that you you filled out. Um, uh, I, I always ask a question of everyone, and of kind of as we've sort of got there what's one of the funniest things that's ever happened to you? And you, you very kindly mentioned uh, something to do with microphone issues at the Katie's. So uh, there's a story here. Please go. <laughs> uh, you know, I, had a, I had a terribly embarrassing year once, probably about my, maybe my
1: third Katie. Uh, and it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite daunting the first time you do the Katie awards or anything like them. You know, you've got 1200 people in the great room at the Grosvenor house and yeah, yeah. In my first year, you, you feel very aware that you're, People are seeing you for the first time. They don't know you from Adam. You've suddenly rocked up and people turn up at the KTs and there'll be hundreds of people they know and like there. So it's a great chance to catch up. And then there's some chap on stage you've never heard of who's uh, telling you he's running the caterer now. So it was always a very daunting event to do at at the outset. But, you know, I I came to to love doing it and uh, always enjoyed it. But I remember about three years in, somebody in their great wisdom decided that rather than have the stage at the side of the great room, as is normally the way, we would have a circular stage in the centre, and uh, right. so I was I was dispatched from the from the wings with a little sort of Madonna mic hung up hung off my ear and uh, curving round to my mouth. You got to go call wandering. Yeah, exactly. So right. I, I I was sent off into this this circular stage. So I was surrounded by 1,200 people, talking to them in the round. Uh, started to give my introduction, my welcome to the kts and then realised that my my microphone was faulty. So the uh, I don't know if you remember Norman Collier, the, uh, yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the Northern stand-up comic, who uh, his 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 gag was that he would speak through a microphone that seemed to be cutting out every <laughs> other syllable. Um, yeah. so, so I basically did a Norman Collier. So I was spinning like a like a ballerina on a, on a music box in the middle of the great room with twelve hundred people's faces spinning past me as I turned with a microphone that wasn't working so that was that was a that was a bit of a painful moment and I, at first I wasn't quite sure what was going on I, I thought the microphone wasn't working but I couldn't be sure but then I became aware that people were were smiling and then laughing and, th- and that told me that something wasn't quite right so uh, uh it was yeah it was rather painful and then uh Jack called David Collins I think was his name who used to be the toast it was the Toastmaster who used to uh uh run the Katie's for us he came up and uh Reached out and said, "Sir, I think you've been needing this," and gave me a handheld mic, and then everything was okay. But I, I still see people to this day. He'll come up and and uh, and and laugh and say, do "You know what? That was that was hilarious when you had the microphone uh, problem at the KT's. So uh, yeah, there we go. That was my yeah. my most embarrassing moment shared with twelve hundred of the great and the good of the sector.
0: Yeah, well, and and at the time you probably had this sort of welling up inside of my God's right. You know, this is exactly. All you need, you've got sponsors there, no doubt, and all of that sort of stuff. And it's, you know, the the pressure is there to pull off a a legendary event. But as you quite rightly said there, the great thing about when stuff like that happens is, is that when you look back on it, you can often look back with a smile. But more importantly, I think, is that the the people who were there look back on it with a smile, you know, and, and remember it fondly. They probably enjoyed it far more than any other of my introductory speech.
1: <laughs> to go through the motions of saying all the right things, and, and rightly so. But it's you know it's 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 not joke a minute. So they probably enjoyed it more than they did any other Katie introductory speech.
0: Brilliant. Well, I mean, I, I mean, Katie's is is a major part of the of what the Caterer stands for is all about. You know, shining a light on the the good stuff that happens across a, a, any given year in in the industry that was something that you that was already in play when you took took over the reins and you, you just kind of, kind of carried it on
1: yeah yeah that had been going for for many years before I joined it was probably oh gosh maybe 15 years old before I I, I turned up I think in 2012 from memory we hosted the silver KTs which was the 25th KTs uh, and that that was an amazing year I, I, I really enjoyed that event I remember um my dear friend uh, Arnold Fuel, who passed away a few years ago, won the special award from memory. And I'm sure that was the year that we we gave a silver Katie to. Yes, it was. We, we had a silver Katie uh, for the winner of winners. And it was it was uh, a public vote uh, for the, the Katie's winners from the first 25 years who, sh- who sort of shone, stood out more than than any right. others. Yeah. Uh, that was won by Michelle and Alba who came on stage together and accepted oh, the award? Enough. So that was that was a special moment. Yeah, and, and then it turned out that, as you would expect, they were involved in HA. They were both patrons of of, of hospitality action, and we were really proud to have them. And obviously, we lost them both in the last few years, which was yeah. uh, terribly sad.
0: Yeah, I think it, it's it's definitely one of the things that I've loved, and, and especially having now run this humble little show for the last sort of well, nearly three years as well, is that. You know, one of the objectives for me with with the show was to you know, to try and utilise the the profiles of other people to elevate the profile of the industry. And um, and when you get somebody on that, that's kind of you always looked at as your, you know, one of your heroes and things like that. And you, I'm not somebody that generally gets starstruck, but there is a moment where you go, "Wow!" And then you remember. And it's—I heard somebody talking about this uh, just the other day. You—you you get a, a scenario whereby you put these people up on a pedestal, and then you remember ultimately that these are human beings, and they're just doing their best. You know, their best might seem way better than some others, but you know, they're still just operating to the same set of personal desires and things like that that we all have. And there's a lot of humility amongst these wonderful, wonderful humans that uh, that exist at the at kind of the top end of this industry.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I've been blown away ever since I joined uh, the Caterer back in two thousand and three or four, whenever it was. Uh, at the yeah, the the humanity and the humility of so many people around the sector and the willingness to give back. You know, we we all know that it, it's it's often spoken of that the sector is a. It's sometimes painted as a last resort by by careers influencers, but I think once you're in, that's you know that 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 certainly isn't the case. It's a it's a wonderful sector. It's a sector where you can you can build dazzling careers, you can you can have wonderful times, and and, and have a really fulfilling life. But I think there's so much there's so much will to give back by people in the sector, and, and I'm always blown away by that. I remember you talk about being starstruck. I remember very soon after I joined the Caterer, I went to an event at Westminster Kingsway College and I met Brian Turner and I I, I, I'd, when I used to write rough guides I'd be away for six months in Asia and then back for six months and I would sit at home with the telly on in the background uh, for a bit of company while I while I wrote my notes up and I remember you know in the afternoon you'd have all the chefing programs can't cook won't cook yeah uh, that sort of thing that would come on and I knew Brian off the telly and then I met him and, and I thought how exciting and what a wonderful man he was but but then I learned over the years that Brian Turner, you know, like many other people in, in hospitality, is focused enormously upon the sector that he loves and upon bringing people through and helping guide people through careers. Uh, you know, an absolutely wonderful man. I, I, I've, I've always said, I I think there must be three or four or five Brian Turners out there because he's he's been ubiquitous for as long as I've been around the sector and always turning up at events and supporting events and initiatives yep. and helping with apprenticeships and Future Chef competitions and so on. I'm a wonderful man, and, and there's lots of people like him who give back. And I, I think that's one of the things I love about the sector is people's
0: willingness to give back and throw themselves into supporting other people around it. Yeah, totally. It's what you said earlier on, actually, around uh, you know, kind of what Caterer stood for in terms of almost bringing the industry together, the, the various different subsectors that exist within the sector, is that you know we can all learn from each other and we can all help each other become better and we can all shine a light on each other shine a light on each other and you know we can all basically just do positive things for each other and i've never seen an industry like it i've been lucky or unlucky depending on which way you look at it to work for a recruitment company outside of hospitality and and I, god I hated every second of it because this this industry is just so alive and always you know there's always challenges to to face where we have more than our fair share at the moment but everybody's willing to you know to take them on you know it's like, it's like we don't run away from the challenges we 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 not, don't necessarily run towards them but we'll definitely embrace them because that's actually how we learn and grow as humans
1: yeah do you know what you're right it's such a resilient sector and and, and, and people help each other of course there's healthy competition you know that, that that's that's how the country works that's how business works everybody has to uh... Uh, turn a profit and do their best but people look out for one another i remember um speaking to amanda hyman when uh, when they had the fire at the mandarin oriental a few years ago uh, saying you know other hotels got in touch to say how can we help because you must have guests who've been vacated and evacuated can we get you know there there were guests i think stood in hyde park and another hotel said can we get bottles of water over to them while they're while they're there and disconcerted you know there's so many examples of of people looking out for one another uh, which which always fills my heart rather yeah
0: absolutely the word uh, I've heard used is coopetition oh I like that yeah I'm going to use that yeah yeah that well I nicked (laughs) it from somebody else as well so (laughs) yeah totally um no great well uh, let's talk about um hospitality action because uh well you you have been at the helm now for a while uh you've certainly I, I can imagine you've had your own challenges in that time because of uh well certain things that have happened in the world as we've already discussed but yeah, talk talk to us about your journey with Hospitality Action from kind of when you took over until now. What's what's happened?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I'll start by saying Hospitality Action is is a a charity I'm so proud of, um, and and I'm on a mission. I've been on a mission since day one to tell more people around the sector what it is and what it does and, and i've said this many times and my team tires of me saying it but sally Beck at the royal lancaster hotel uh was was somebody i i knew well from my caterer days but um i went to have a coffee with her i think in february of 2018 when i'd just taken this job on I, and i said what, what what does ha mean to you and and you know how would you describe it and she said i think she said when you when you know what ha is and, and what it does, you fall in love with it. And, and that's been my sort of guiding thought ever since. It was, it was a brilliantly put way of describing what our challenge is. We've got no agenda, we're not politicized, we're not lobbyists. Uh, we all would we do, all, we're just here to help people who hit a bump in the road, whether that's physical or mental ill health, uh, whether it's a financial problem or a familial problem. Uh, relationship problem. That's all we do. You know, we wake up every morning and, and my fabulous team does good things. We help people who are who are in difficulty. And I just want the whole sector to know that because when you know who we are and what we do, you fall in love with us. And that's when the magic happens. That's when you send your your colleague to us who needs some support. And that's when you decide to to run the marathon or the 10k run that you're you're signed up to for us rather than another charity. So, so really, what we're about is banging the drum and telling people who we are and what we do. And do you know what? In in lockdown, although it's it's been a tremendously difficult three years through the pandemic uh, and, and through all that happened last year, we we actually raised the profile of the charity materially, substantially. I, I've got a fantastic patron who many listeners will know, Andrew Guy. Uh, a real legend in the casual dining sector who contacted me probably in late March of 2020 and said, you've got to look for the opportunity in a crisis. And he was absolutely right. Uh, So, so, you know, we've done our very best to raise as much money in order to disperse as many grants as possible to to people who struggle as a result of the pandemic and and what's happened subsequently but also we took the opportunity to shout about what we do and to to tub thump and to to raise our profile and 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 that's happened so many more people now know who we are and what we do and
0: and that's been a great benefit to us yeah and congratulations for getting the word tub thumping I uh I think you might be the first person to have ever done that on this show so um you don't get a prize or anything but um but well done in any case Pat on the back. Um, no, I mean, that's great. I mean, I, I think it would have been, I think for everyone in, in that time, it was such an unknown period as to what happens next. But I, you know, to see the opportunity and, and and be able to, I suppose, still keep it at the front and centre of people's minds at a time when they had a lot on the plate, I think must have taken some some real gumption and real kind of, I suppose at then it's about having a team that are fully engaged with your cause right as well and 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 getting them to i don't know do it, do whatever it is that they do yeah the team were fabulous we 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 seconded
1: uh, a lot of the fundraising team to grant giving because we weren't we weren't running suddenly we weren't running fundraising events so yeah they, they were absolute stars they stepped up to the breach and you know, it's important that when you're when you're a grant giving organisation that you have checks and measures, uh, and that there's due diligence shown to making sure you get the money to the right people, the people who need it most, and people who fit uh, your, your your parameters. But in those early weeks uh, after the fir- during the first lockdown, we had a light touch application form for people just to get hold of a two hundred and fifty pound grant just to keep them going while they were starting to make sense of of what happened next. You know, that there were a lot of people who were very lucky to. Uh, very relieved to see the, the the furlough scheme kick in, and that helped the, the the sector tremendously. But there were a lot of people who who who, who fell between the uh, the gaps in that scheme. You know, people who were perhaps on zero hours contracts. Or people who were between jobs and didn't have an employer to put them on furlough in the first place. So we were getting as many grants out as we could to to those people, and 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 the team just stepped up brilliantly. So yeah, I was I was so proud of what they did. It was interesting though. We we what we discerned early on in in the first lockdown was that people felt very disconcerted by being untethered from. Their working environment, we know that people yeah. who work in hospitality throw themselves into their into their jobs and you know tom Kerridge, who's a, a patron of ours and a, a fabulous supporter he talks about his his band of pirates there 's this sense of togetherness and camaraderie amongst people who work in hospitality outlets and then suddenly that was gone people were at home, and uh, they they lost all of that human contact so I think people felt felt very yeah, very untethered from the sector they love. So so what we tried to do as well as getting financial grants out was just to give people that reassurance that actually there are people out there who are able to help hospitality workers um, so we, we, we made a big noise on social media about the fact that we were doing our very best. And we, we did a, a fundraising challenge, a virtual challenge in, I think, June of 2020. And it made money for us. And we asked people to to run, walk, cycle, jog, swim, and then donate their miles to a virtual challenge that we set up online, but also raise sponsorship money. Uh, and people were pleased to get involved, I think partly because it, it gave them a sense of being part of something again. Yeah. Although they were doing it at one remove, they were remote, but they were involved in a hospitality initiative again. So, so throughout the pandemic, we we were trying to give people that sense of togetherness, and uh, and I think that was quite important.
0: Yeah, I, I think you've you've probably, well, definitely reaped the benefit of of that. I mean, I now see pockets of of individuals here and there who are doing something to support you guys in terms of w- whether it's raising money or just giving up time being ambassadors, whatever. It feels like that you can correct me if I'm wrong, but certainly from the outside looking in it's it feels like that's gone up a notch in the last couple of years
1: it has hugely you're absolutely right and and, and that's what we're trying to major on in future we We will continue to run the events and the and the uh the uh, outdoor challenges that we've always run, but what we're trying to do frankly is is politely ask the the sector to to do some of the heavy lifting for us we 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 can't keep on as we grow and as we uh, have ambitions to to spend more money on grant giving and help more people in difficulty we can't do it ourselves so we do need the sector to support us so yeah we talk about third party fundraising and trying to grow that and by that we mean getting operators to make us the charity of the year or or put a pound on the bill or put 50p on a pizza or a cocktail and find their own ways of of making money for us and uh, and, that, and that's definitely happening which is which is fabulous because that's
0: the way we'll scale up Invisible Chips springs to mind. I don't remember Invisible Chips being a thing five years ago, but they're there now. Yeah, Invisible Chips has been great fun. We, we, uh,
1: we're we very blessed to have some operators, as I said, putting a pound on the bill or 50p on a pizza. A lot of operators don't like to put money on a bill because it's effectively non-discretionary. If you go to out for dinner and you've got a £120 bill that arrives at the table, but actually it's £121 because somebody's put a, a pound on for a charity you've never heard of, you know, it it can at times create a bit of a sour taste because there's the awkwardness involved in calling somebody over and saying, could you reissue a bill without that pound on it? You know, you you look mean-spirited in front of your friends. So, uh, you know, a lot of people have said to us over the years, we'd love to support, but we don't really want to do that. So we were looking for a mechanism back in the summer of 2020, which would allow operators to give the option for uh, a discretionary donation to, to the sector, and I spoke to a pal of mine, my oldest friend Dave Asquith, who used to work at Saatchi and Saatchi's as a copywriter and I just sent them off with a brief could you come up could you come up with an idea uh, that that would that would fulfill this and he and his partner Rob uh, his creative uh, partner Rob Porsche, just came back with this they they came back with ninety six pages of fabulous ideas, wow. uh, many of which I'm sure will roll out in years to come. but the one that jumped out was invisible chips, and we just thought yeah, that could really work uh there's so there's so many ways into it you know it's about spending money on people people who to help people whose livelihoods is disappearing it's 0% 10% fat 100% charity that there's there's lots of elements to it it it's it's fun it creates a conversation at table uh, so, so we jumped on the idea. Heston Blumenthal. Uh, we're proud to have Heston as a as a patron of um, of HHA. So we um, we managed to persuade Heston to do a film of himself cooking his his famous triple visible <laughs> chips. Um, and, yeah, that was uh, probably
0: about an hour and a half long, was it?
1: Yeah, yeah it was fantastic. He, he was such a star. He, he played an absolute blinder. Yeah. Uh, we did the same with Tom Kerridge. Uh We had a video of Fred Sirix tasting our invisible chips and saying they were much better than Gordon's. So we had some fun with it. Um, <laughs> but there was a really important message behind it that people's lives, uh, livelihoods were disappearing. And, and this was a way that people could 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 support them. And I think what we saw in lockdown, I think we all realised uh, as, as punters, uh, as well as people around the sector, that our lives are, so much richer by having hospitality in them. Yeah. Uh, and when suddenly that carpet was whipped from under us and we couldn't have a pint at our local and we couldn't have a swim at the local hotel pool and we couldn't go to our favourite bistro, it suddenly made us realise that our lives were poorer for, for not being able to do so. So I think there's been a an increased will amongst the general public to support hospitality and Invisible Chips as a way of allowing them to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I, absolute genius idea. Um, and then to get those people on board as well to do the the videos I think is is takes the genius to a different level uh, as well. I mean that and that comes back to, you know, utilising the profiles of people who one really give a monkeys about hospitality as a whole, but to, you know, have have raised their own profile to this point. You know, they've got they've they're there on merit. You know, all of the people you've mentioned in there have worked their backsides off to get to where they are So you know, It's great to see that they still have this desire to to want to give back
1: yeah, no, we're so lucky. Jason Atherton, uh, Angela Hartnett's been fabulous. Tom Heston, uh, so many people stepped up to the mark to support us, and, and it's what we said a few minutes ago that people do give back. It's a sector where people don't just clock off at half past five and head home, and yeah. not think about where they work and the the sector within which they operate until the next morning. People throw themselves into hospitality, and that, you know we, we've seen that a million times
0: of people supporting us in all sorts of different ways. Fantastic. Well, I mean, they, they, what's what's coming up? What what's uh, what's on the cards for for hospitality action going forward? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, you know, the
1: the simple answer is we want to keep on earning money so that we can disperse money. We we, we you know, I, I, I've not talked about what we do. I guess very much. And well, we're really here not just to help people who, uh, as we've seen a lot in the last three years, are are struggling because of the pandemic and, and the economic downturn and that and across the living crisis and the war in ukraine we, we've been here for 185 years helping people who have life-changing uh medical diagnoses uh, diagnoses uh, we're, we're here to help people who, who have relationship breakdown and have domestic abuse uh, flashpoints that they need help getting away from you know th- th- there's so many issues that can can affect us all as human beings and and we're here to help people with those Uh, and and, you know so so what's next is doing more of the same but my ambition is to grow the charity to to make sure that more people know that we're here uh, so that they know they can come to us uh, when they hit that bump in the road Uh, so so that's the plan and we'll do that with with fundraising and promotion and marketing what we do uh, just shouting as loudly as we can about about our work
0: I, well, I, I'm very happy to play any part that I can in, in helping you you do that. We have a, a small but perfectly formed following. So, yeah, we're very happy to to keep doing little bits here and there wherever wherever we can, mm-hmm. for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no worries at all. And I suppose the, the, that's half the battle, I guess, with running a, a charity in, in the space that you do, is educating people that you, you, your perception of why you might need hospitality action could be... F- far removed from actually all of the different things that you that you actually look after i think probably a lot of people's first perception would be financial support that's probably the 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 first thing that comes to people's minds but everything you've highlighted there you know it's basically it sounds like if you're experiencing plight in some way please just come and talk to us yeah 100%
1: yeah you know if if you needed support with bereavement if you needed support with relationship breakdown if you needed support with with a financial aspect Uh, you know we've traditionally helped many people through dependency issues around gambling or 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 alcohol or substance abuse so you know whatever your problem is we're here to help and we'll 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 try our utmost I, I think one thing that's changed in the last few years is I think HA feels a lot closer to people's lives than perhaps it did I think I think now and this is in large part due to the pandemic and the work we did People know people who know people who have been helped by hospitality action and whereas traditionally I think there there, there might be a misconception that we were a charity for elderly folk who had long retired from the sector. You know, we 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 weren't for people like you. Um we were for people half a world away who didn't do what we do. But now I think, you know, people increasingly say to me, actually, you help somebody who I know in the sector. Uh, in lockdown with a a grant or with some counselling advice and uh, you know it's that whole six degrees of separation thing I think we're now closer to people than we used to be and and I think uh, people can relate to us more than they used to we've we've got a lovely guy called Mitchell Collier who's a uh, a, an ambassador for us who did uh, he was kind enough to uh, work with us on a video telling his story he used to work at the Manoir Cat Saison a few years ago and had a torrid time over a few weeks where he was passed over for a, a promotion, uh, relationship broke down, and then he discovered he had uh, cancer. So he took a real blow to his his confidence, and uh, we obviously couldn't help with the cancer. So he was at the John Radcliffe in Oxford for that, but we could help with some counselling to build his confidence back up again. And Mitch always says, you know, I was a, a young man building a career in a luxury hotel, the Manoir Cat Saison, uh, and he said, you know, I, I thought I was the last person that would need hospitality actions Support, but actually, I was exactly the sort of person that needed your support, and I think that that that's the story we tell a lot because we, you know, we want people to realise that we're there for them. We're not for people not like them. We're, we're we're here for anyone in the sector who hits a bump in the road.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's an incredibly relatable story. I was lucky enough to have Mitch on the uh, the show actually, and he he told very openly his his plights that uh, that he went through, and I, I will love him forever for that. But equally, I think a lot of the time. And I've I've experienced this myself. You don't like when things are going well for you. You don't. You think that you're. Oh, I'm never going to need anything like that. But you just never know what turn of events can take you into a place that you're unfamiliar with. You know. And whilst you can do what you can to kind of mentally prepare yourself for that through, you know, the general day to day work of resilience and and all of that that comes with the sector that we're in. Nothing can prepare you for some things that happen. You know. And nobody knows what they're. I suppose they're, the the point is where they no longer can handle it themselves. You know that they're that they need to be able to reach out for help. And I think just by you guys being there, you're you're like a really wonderful human safety net for anyone that works in this industry.
1: Well, thank you. That's really kind of you. Yeah, we do talk about being a safety net. We, you know, that, that's something that that's that's a way we also articulate what we do. I thought, I'd, I thought I'd just
0: uh, written your marketing plan there. But there oh, exactly. I know, and I <laughs> must
1: stop my cap again to the team who are just fabulous and, and have been tireless over the last three years. Uh, it's been tough. And do you know what? It's it's tough for the case managers who are the people who receive the calls from, from people needing support. <clears throat> That's a tough job to hear yeah. bad news stories morning, noon and night. And I have to deal with distressed people. And di- distressed people can sometimes become angry. And you know, frustrated if they're not getting what they need immediately. So it's been a very tough job. We had we had a call once uh, a few months ago, come into a case manager from somebody who said, um, "I've just put an application form in for financial support, and if, if I don't get money in my account by the end of the day, I'm going to throw myself off uh, the nearest multi-story car Jeez, park." Right. That's that's a big weight to carry uh, for somebody who works at a charity and you know turns up every morning to do good. So it's a tough job. Uh, it can be it can be hard work for the team, and it can be
0: grueling. But they've they, they've they've just played an absolute blind, and I couldn't be prouder of them. No, hats off. I think it takes a, an incredibly special human being to be able to to take the, the plight of others on onto their own shoulders to help them get past it. Yeah, you must have a, a, a team of superstars. Yeah, we do, and and then we have lots of ambassadors who are also
1: superstars. We have Charlie Hodgson, the chef in Norfolk, who speaks very frankly about his. Mental health challenges over the years, and 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 is a a wonderful uh, ambassador for us. There's Hen Allen, Rina Chotai, who until recently ran the Red Cup Cafe in Harrow, who run a a, a cafe on the station approach in a, in a, a suburb of North London, but have raised two and a half thousand pounds themselves, two pounds at a time through invisible chip sales. You know, we, we, there's there's so many wonderful. Gosh, I'm gonna you know, there's so many people who I'm not gonna mention, but we're very blessed to have. A fabulous team but also a fabulous group of supporters and a growing band of ambassadors who, who love what we do and want to tell more people in their region what we do.
0: Yeah absolutely I've I've got a, a chat coming up with a couple of your uh, well I'm going to say quite frankly crazy souls that are, uh, are going to take on the Atlantic rowing challenge.
1: Yeah Chris and
0: Robbie at the Genuine Dining Company
1: that they're, yeah. they're unbelievable yeah I mean again hats off they're braver men than I am that they're going to I think it's going to take them if they're lucky 32 days but it could be up to 50 odd uh, to cross the Atlantic in a in a in a a rowing boat for two they're hoping to raise 250k for us which is off the scale I mean that's a huge amount of money for us and they're working hard I know they started last year beginning the training I think they go in early December so you know what a gift to give us, to give so much of their time and their energy uh, and put themselves so far outside their comfort zone to raise money for, for people like them
0: and their employees. Totally. And, and I think as well from, from my own, just from a really selfish perspective, I think that anyone who wants to take on a challenge like that, I'm kind of almost a little bit obsessed by the mentality of what that takes. So I think it's, yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation with them. I think that's going to happen in the next couple of weeks. So we'll do a, a before, I'm not sure we'll do a during, but we'll do an after uh, as well um, yeah. and see how yeah. they go. But I think that's the joy of, you know, when, you've, when you're a charity such as you guys, you've obviously touched the lives of a lot of people. And whatever form that looks like is that, that then you get people who step up and, you know, want to play their part and making sure, sure you guys can, you know, more than just exist, but really, really thrive and make a massive, massive difference.
1: Yeah, there, there, there are so many joys. I feel so blessed to to, to have this job. It, it's I, I feel like the luckiest guy alive. There's the joy of seeing people give of themselves when they don't need to, like Chris and Robbie, deciding to to, to row the Atlantic. What a thing! What a gift to give. Yeah. Um, but also, do you know the other joy we see is is the thank you notes, and and, and I always say that's what kept us going through the last three years. So uh, our colleague uh, Ife who works on the on the services team, once in a while, will send out um, the latest batch of thank you notes we've had from from beneficiaries people who've received support from us and and you know that that's been a joy which which has really kept us going through through difficult uh, uh busy periods and it, it was it was tough early on in in the first lockdown you know you and I are lucky that 250 pounds is a lovely amount of money to have in your in your in your pocket or in the in the bank but it shouldn't be a transformative amount a life-changing amount but you know we were giving 250 pound grants to people and and they were reaching out saying god we had we, we'd have calls some people saying i received the ping on my phone from the bank to say your money had landed and i i fell to my knees and broke down in tears in the supermarket because i knew that meant yeah. i could feed my kids for another few weeks while i tried to make sense of the world and uh You know those sorts of thank you notes were were an utter joy and and they we just had thousands of notes like that from people saying thank you and uh, it was it was really humbling
0: yeah that's a, that's just just brilliant i um, I salute the work you do and i i, I yeah I, as i say i'm very very happy to play my part in any way which way that that might look i i, I got you. involved in the walk for well being this year the first time i've ever done that which was uh which was a lot of fun it was just a lot of fun a little bit of a challenge but a, a very fun challenge yeah we, we've we got our virtual challenge in the early
1: summer and then we do the walk for wellness with um, the fabulous Craig Prentice and Sean Wheeler um, that was a gift of theirs to us uh, so we'll be doing that again in the autumn and yeah you know th- these challenges are all about raising money of course but it's also about looking after your physical health and your mental health because guess what yeah. if you're if you're working Seventeen hours a day, and you're never escaping the kitchen, or you're at your desk for far too long. It's not good for your health. So these challenges are a chance to just to break the cycle and get out and about and take a walk and clear your head a little bit. And also for teams, you know, for for, for operators, it's a chance to do a bit of team building. You know, what what better than to say, right? Let's all meet in in the park at seven in the morning and go for a half an hour walk before we go into the office or into the kitchen. And uh, so that that's that's what we try and
0: promote. But uh, yeah, well, thanks for getting involved and. Hopefully you'll be involved again this year. Without question. Yeah, I I just, I had too much fun to to not get involved again. So um, no, I'll, I'll definitely be be up for that. The last thing I really wanted to talk to you about, because this was a new experience for me in the last 12 months, was back to the floor. It feels like it's a, a monumental undertaking to put something like that together. Definitely worth it from where I can see in terms of the money that you raise, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But I think more than that, it's just, I can't remember going to a, a hospitality event and just having the biggest grin on my face from the start to, to finish. I mean, looking around the room as to who was serving tables was just like a who's who of the, the industry. And it was just just a joy to watch.
1: Yeah, it's a brilliant event. So the idea came from Danny Peccarelli and Philip Newman Hall, who were at uh, at a caterer event years ago, a Hotel of the Year lunch, and they were on the same table, and they got chatting about what they could do for hospitality action. I was at the caterer then, not at H A, but they had this idea: why don't we get eminent hotel hoteliers to go back to the floor and wait at table? And the idea is that that you get you know legends like harry murray to serve at table and you challenge them by creating a bit of a silver service challenge for them so you know they might have to serve petit pois silver service or they might have to yeah. use a fummer gun so uh you know we try and make it as tricky as possible uh get some sommeliers involved as well and give them magnums to 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 try and maneuver around the room um but the idea was just to yeah just to to get these amazing hoteliers uh, to go back to what they might have done 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago. And it's, it's built and built from that, this brilliant idea that Danny and Philip had. Uh, we The first event was probably 10 years ago at Peniel Park, and we probably had 150 people there. Uh, and now we're getting 450, 500 people come into events. We did them every two years. The one you came to last year was kindly hosted by Sally Beck at the Royal Lancaster yeah. Uh, we'll be at a park plaza on the South bank courtesy of Daniel Padreski next year. And it's just great fun. You know, there's food flying and there's, and there's, there's yeah. you know, drinks flowing and drinks spilling and you know, nobody comes away without some red wine down their front, but it's all good fun. And, uh, uh, it was a particularly fabulous event last year. Peter Crome who chairs is chairman up at the Carnegie club at Skibo castle in the Highlands, brought uh, an amazing band down with him. That was his gift for the evening. And, uh, they just brought the house down, didn't they? Oh, they were
0: brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I Honestly, I walked away from that thinking, oh, what, how have I not been to this before? I mean, it was just a proper, good, riotous knees up for, you know, and just watching uh, legends of the industry struggling to, as you say, put silver served peas on a plate. It was just, well, that's just genius.
1: Well, last year, one of the abiding images was Jeremy Goring frisbeeing the main course across the table. and <laughs> they... <laughs> So, yeah, there's some, some fun and games. But we, we managed to raise, I think, £258,000, which Brilliant. is by a long way the biggest uh, single fundraiser in the history of the charity. So it shows that, that you know people having fun turns into into funds raised. And I've always been clear that I the last thing I want is to – it's for people to feel they have to go to our events. I want people to enjoy our events. And, uh, you know, we've all been to charity events at times where it's not it's not the, it's not the best night out in the world. The food yeah. ain't the best and the entertainment out the, ain't the best. And you, you sort of feel like you're there out of duty rather than for pleasure. So back to the floor is a great way of it's a great example of of an event that is at once great fun, but also profitable for the charity.
0: Superb, great stuff. Well, I uh, I am going to let you go, but I, uh, I there's one question for you just before uh, I do that, and that's the a question I ask everyone of the show. What would be your your top three reasons why somebody should come and join hospitality as a career? Yeah, good question. I mean, I've I've never worked in hospitality apart from working in a in a in a bar a few times. You kind of do. I think it's uh, it's safe to say that you you operate on the the fringes, but it's still absolutely part of the uh, definitely, definitely part of the on the on,
1: the on the on the coattails of the sector. I, I've worked in pubs and bars over the years when I was when I was much younger. But I think if I had my time again, I I, I would I would if 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 I knew when i was 16 17 what i know now i would have probably not gone to university and gone straight into hoteling i i'm absolutely beguiled by, right. by the hotel sector i think it's so exciting and 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 hospitality generally is is exciting uh, it's you know it's a chance to travel the world if that's what you want to do you, you meet amazing people you get that immediate thrill of feedback from people who've had a great meal or a great stay you know normally in in most industry sectors the only people you hear from are the people who are complaining about the bad service or the bad product they've had from you. But actually, hospitality almost uniquely is the opposite. Yes, you'll hear the the, uh, the complaints, but also you hear people saying, thank you. That was a beautiful cocktail. That was a wonderful dinner. That was a, a fabulous stay, a wonderful spa treatment. So, you know, there's so much to love about hospitality. And I think the most important thing and, and you know, people like David Michels and Harry Murray are, are, are examples of this. Nick Jones, I could name a million people. You start out and you can build a career, which is as big and successful as as you'd like it to be. If you work hard and apply yourself, you can you can have a wonderful time, but also build a great career. And I think that's that's not understood by by too many careers influencers. Uh, yeah. and, I, and I think that that's what we need to get across that it, it's the sky's the limit if you start a career in hospitality.
0: Here, here. Well, that is a wonderful way to round things off. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. I am so glad we got there in the end and. Um, yeah i wish you guys all the very best for the next next phase of into 2023 and uh, and well beyond brilliant thanks though really enjoyed it no worries take care and there we have it yet another wonderful journey demonstrated by mark please don't forget to get behind hospitality action wherever you can you never know when you may need them tune back in on friday as i've got a cheeky bonus for you carrying on the hospitality action theme but until then thanks so much for listening and don't forget to give us a share